Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Oh, good afternoon, everybody. Holy cow. I know it's been a a couple of days here since uh, I got back on the old pod, but boy, I was just run down, I think. Uh, By the end of last week, my energy level was absolutely through uh, through the basement, if that's even a saying. I don't really know, but... uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it was just getting back into the swing of the work and then also um just probably not getting enough sleep. Hey, it's been it's been pretty difficult uh trying to juggle all the things that I'm trying to juggle here at the moment and uh and keep my sanity. Holy smokes. I don't know what it is, but uh between between work and then doing stuff on Sparrow and then uploading all the YouTube stuff and all the videos and the editing. And I think probably the problem with the editing uh, I've run into recently has uh, really been a thorn in my side because uh, I can't figure out why it's not working anymore and I can't line up the voiceover with my actual movement of the voice. And um, that makes it pretty hard. I've been working on this one video for weeks now, almost a month, trying to get it coordinated because the first recording that I did was really good. At least I think so, but I'm I'm pretty sure I have to just bag it at this point because I've attempted to do this thing multiple times and it's always uh, not worked out. And I don't know, I was having some trouble with the microphone. Yeah. Excuses are the building blocks of a house of failure. I'm just going to try harder uh, pretty much starting today, which after we just the mast that we just took down off of this boat, oh my gosh, it was deck step. So Friday we had three big boats. By big boats, I mean 40 to 49 foot boats, something like that, uh, come in. And we have a 35, 35 ton travel lift. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a pretty small slip. All that sort of stuff. Normally, we're we're a boatyard that likes to do lobster boats, that likes to do, you know, 30 to 35 foot sailboats, things like that. But we're we're sort of taking on pretty much anything and everything that gets thrown our way. And three boats showed up at the end of the day Friday, but none of them we weren't able to do any of them. So we had to make up for it by starting at six this morning, and we were able to get them all all dismasted and everything because they. Essentially, when a boat comes in, uh, and and it's a bigger boat, we have to be able to take the forestay down or the backstays, depending on how big it is, uh, so that it'll actually fit in our travel lift. But you can only do that if you have a keel-stepped mast where the mast goes through the deck and down below, because then you can take some of the stays off and the mast won't fall Unfortunately, the last three big boats uh, that came in all were deck stepped, and so you can't just pull wires willy nilly, or you end up doing what I did a long time ago. And nobody wants that. So, in any event, it was sort of towards the end of the day. And I don't know, you know, when you have your expectations set in one site i.e. it's Friday and you're hoping to punch out work and get it done and then, you know, sort of celebrate the weekend and all that. And then the reality comes in that the three boats that you were supposed to haul, you couldn't haul and you have to push the work back until another day and you spend most of the afternoon sort of just uh negotiating and trying to plan and all this sort of stuff not actually getting any work done plus the tractor tire broke i don't know it's been crazy it's one of those things where uh i have to sort of remember in my head that you know things like as cliche as my sound but you know when things are going well that's easy uh there it doesn't take a whole lot of character to keep your spirits high in that in that situation but it's when 
the chips are down and things aren't going well, that all of a sudden that's when your character actually gets tested. And if you can maintain a level of enthusiasm and uh, positivity in those circumstances, that's where, uh, I don't know, that's, that's, uh, that's really saying something. And it's not easily done. I mean, I, I, I try my best to, um, if I am down at work and not really feeling it, I try my best to disguise that and uh, carry on and just try and fake it till I make it to the end of the day. And then I'll just go hunker down in the boat or something like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just one of those things Friday, just instead of like launching into the weekend and being like, yeah, that was incredible. It was sort of this uh, whimper at the end of Friday. And I think for me too, you know, the whole weekend thing is, I think it's a bit too short. If anything, I, I, I would love to see a work week that uh, ended at noon on Friday. So Friday afternoon. So you didn't have to feel like you're rushed to get into the weekend. And be nice if on Fridays, you know, in the afternoon you could go and, and take care of all the, you know, stupid things, laundry, grocery shopping, blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. And so by four or five o'clock in the afternoon, you are actually ready. There's nothing else to be done. It is, you know, relaxation, sort of party time, project time, whatever. And then you've got Saturday and Sunday and, oh, who knows, who knows. But there was a lot of, uh, I don't know, I, there's a lot of stuff that I want to get to on this podcast uh, mm, coming from some some of the listeners and notes and stuff and then also just um excitement in the world of solo offshore sailing um you know and i before i get into the golden globe race and the dramas that are unfolding in that especially for the americans uh i wanted to mention uh peter lawless and i don't know if i've talked about him on the podcast before he was out so last year when i was attempting to go down uh, and round Cape Horn, east to west, he was attempting to become the first Irishman to go and sail solo nonstop around the world. And he's he's got like sponsorships and things like that. And he's got a great YouTube channel, really funny, just seems like a genuinely really nice, nice guy. And he set off last year and then had trouble with, I believe, his rudder and all this sort of stuff and ended up having to abandon his plans and, and everything. And it was kind of interesting because we were both sort of out at the same time and we were kind of in contact with each other. I haven't spoken with him in a while, but, uh, you know, the, the little bits that we did talk back, uh, last year were, were pretty cool. And, and, um, yeah, he's got a great website and it's just Peter Lawless sailing, but he has, uh, sort of gone off and now he's doing this other thing and he's sort of, mid-trip at this point, but uh, he would like to, he still has that idea of getting around the world, but he wants to do it uh, by stopping places and, you know, more small hops and things like that and less of the uh, the whole Southern Ocean, all that, that craziness um, that's involved with a nonstop. And so, yeah, his, his plan basically is to, he left, he left Ireland and right now he is, <clears throat> let's see, where is he? Okay, he's actually sailing. Uh, he's, where is he? He's just north of the Cape Verde Islands. So I think his plan is to basically go, he's going to cut across the Atlantic, sail through the Caribbean, go to Panama, go through the Panama Canal, cross the Pacific, um, north of Australia, and then Indian Ocean, and then around the Cape of Good Hope and then back up. So he's going to circumnavigate the globe, but he wants to he wants to stop uh, and he wants to do, you know, sort of uh, interesting talks and inspirational speaking and, you know, talk to schools and things like that, which I think is really pretty admirable because he's got a heck of a story to tell. And it is really um, I don't know. It's, I think it's pretty cool. And. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. It's something we can, we can all just sort of watch again. It's Peter Lawless sailing. Um, and he's got the whole predictwind.com thing going on where when you click on track, Peter, it gives his little updates. So his last one was 
from September 3rd, flying along at a steady 78 knots all afternoon on course of 180 degrees. And I'll tell you what, I really like the short uh, blurb updates, like the daily ones. I like it to be, you know, every day I'd like to, you know, while I'm having coffee in the morning or whatever, be able to check in and just see like how things are going. There's been a few people that I've followed where it seems like literally they're writing like 2,000 words uh, every single day. I don't even know how they do that because um, there just isn't that much to say out there because <laughs> it's always the same. Uh, but so I don't know. His thing is pretty cool. His boat's uh, wax wing. And um, yeah, he's he's like I said, he's a nice guy. And hopefully this trip will go really well. And if he's about to jump off across the pond at this point, he'll... Uh, he should be doing all right. The wind and weather out there has gotten a little exciting, you could say the to say the least. I mean, we've got we've got pretty pretty ugly stuff in the north north Atlantic. We've got obviously that little hurricane thing uh right north of the Dominican Republic, which when we look at the actual movement of it, it looks like it's going to go and hit the Bahamas, but then it'll probably go north. Um, nothing else really coming off quite yet, but there was also that monster storm up in like the Northwest Passage and Alaska and all that sort of stuff, which I didn't really, I didn't get into that. I just somehow I missed all that, but supposedly there's a few people doing the Northwest Passage this year that, uh, just escaped Escapes some pretty ugly conditions, uh, essentially like hurricane force conditions up there, uh, which I don't know, boggles my mind because already just being at sea and in, in big waves and things like that is one thing. It's a whole nother, a whole nother can of worms to add huge chunks of ice that are floating around in the water. I feel like a sailboat, no matter what it's made out of steel, aluminum, fiberglass, it doesn't matter, is uh, just going to get absolutely crunched if they're in those sort of conditions. But yeah, it looks like that that hurricane's just going to sort of swoop up. Uh, hopefully it doesn't hit the East Coast, like do a little uh, a little jiggle over towards the, the West, but it looks like it's going to just breeze by uh, Bermuda and then head up. But by about the end of next week, it's it looks like another little system's coming right off Africa, and that may actually hinder our Golden Globe racing uh, racers out there. Uh, that could be a tricky little little something because all those racers are just about at the Cape Verde's. They may be able to get south of it, but uh, it'll be interesting because that'll be one of those systems where. With that race, every once in a while, they get a weather system in there, and then they, I believe, have let the competitors know that there's something really bad coming and just be aware of it, which I think is probably a smart thing for sure. Um, I don't think it's, it takes away from the difficulty of the race at all, but um, kind of an interesting thing. But yeah, I mean, essentially this weekend... Uh, one of the American skippers. So we've got two Americans in the Golden Globe 2022. We've got Guy Guy De Beer and um, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. And then Elliot uh, Elliot Smith and Guy ended up on the rocks. Oh, man, it's such a bummer. Let me just pull up this little news story here. <clears throat> Yeah, guy, guy to beer ends up on the rocks uh, in the Canaries. Ah, oh, geez, you, there's a picture of the boat, and I'm getting all this from the the Golden Globe Race 2022 website, and it's uh, it really is something. I the Don McIntyre, he and I have have reached out. He's the founder of this thing, and uh, epic, epic guy. Uh, one day, he and I will be in the same place at the same time, and I'll get him on the podcast, but. Uh, Heck of an Australian skipper and all that sort of stuff, but uh, yeah, this picture of of the boat, oh man, just ugh, it's just it's just on the reef right there and the breaking waves and everything. The boat's held up, didn't get bashed, uh, but I I can only assume that 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 is it. So we are down to one one American, Elliot Smith, in the race. 
Uh, so that's two two entrants down. So from 16 to 14, and uh, we're only in the first like 10 days or so of the race. And that's sort of how it goes, though. Um, so many things can go wrong when you attempt to do a trip that big. I mean, there's just there's so many working parts and so many little lists and so many possibilities of error and mistakes and then you're dealing with mother nature who can throw any sort of screwball she wants at you and uh, and then all of a sudden you find yourself pretty much out of luck so uh, I'll, I'll have to drink a nice cold bush light to the guy tonight and uh you know uh that, you know it, it's it is such a uh before, I never really understood what that would be like to actually sort of throw in the towel. And obviously his is, I don't know, I, I think there's different degrees for the different types of failure uh, when you're adventuring. And I'm only speaking of this from somebody who has experienced, uh, experienced it a couple of times now. And so I think I can speak pretty openly on it without sounding like a jerk or anything like that. But you know, obviously you've got, you've got a successful trip where you set your goals, you reach your goals, and then you're good to go. Um, but then I think there's sometimes where, uh, like my second trip where an outside entity ends your trip for you. Um, and that's kind of an oddball thing. And, you know, I, that really doesn't happen very often, but I, I suppose like if you were out there and maybe, I don't know, maybe you were becalmed or something like that and another boat came up and, and rammed you or something like that and did it on purpose, then then that might fall under the same category. But, um, you know, on the second trip when, or on the third trip when the bow sprit, uh, when I found the weaknesses in that, in, in the um, Tropical Storm Wanda, you know, that was my fault. I, I had not prepared Sparrow enough for that trip and thoroughly enough and so you know it was one of those things where I had to just bear the brunt of that and and make the decision like all right well I have to throw in the towel and you know obviously guy must have somehow screwed up a little bit with the um, navigation again they're they're using sextants and I don't know if I was using a sextant I sure as heck would be as far away from those uh, those islands as possible but I do know that they have gates like those guys have to go through like photo gates and stuff. And that brings them pretty close to a lot of these islands. I don't know. I mean, you know, I had to sail really close to the Falklands, um, to get the food and everything on my trip. And I know that the entire time I was sailing next to him, I didn't sleep one, one minute of that, that 36 hours or something like that. So I don't know, but I, I, I know exactly how he feels and it's uh, a very humbling feeling. And, you try your best not to sort of fall into that, that unending well of why it's all your fault and um, what you could have done to prevent it. The what ifs are the worst because there's just no point in it uh, unless you're thinking, you know, oh, I'm going to go attempt another one again. Then I suppose it's always good to learn as much from your mistakes as possible. But I don't know. It just, it's definitely not a good feeling at all. And I feel for him. I feel for him, especially when you have a lot of people watching like that. Cause the GGR is, is a pretty viewed thing. Um, you know, compare it to the trips that I go on where I might have, you know, a few hundred people that sort of watch the thing going, but there's no, um, there's no media about it or anything like that. And, so in a lot of ways, when I go on my trips, I don't even, I don't feel any sort of added pressure from, from people watching. Sometimes I sort of summon it as for a need for a little bit of motivation. Oh, excuse me to keep going. Um, but I never, I never feel like, holy cow, everybody's going to see this and I'm going to look, you know, like a, a wimp or this or that, that, that has never come into play one iota, um, on any of my trips. So that's the beauty of being, you know, unsponsored and and not in any sort of organized races. Uh, you are on your own, and and that's uh, there are some perks to that. There are a few little perks, I must say. Mm. Oh man! So yeah, it uh, it looks like the rest of the fleet though in the old GGR they are doing pretty well. Let's um, I just want to pull them up here. The live tracker. 
Boy, they got a really good website for this. It is very, very impressive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're all up there at the uh, Canaries, and they're headed towards the Cape Verdes. So they're essentially off the coast of Africa. And yeah, they've all had to go in pretty close. Um, and I wanted to see... So I had spoken briefly about Peter Lawless. <clears throat> well, his brother, Pat Lawless, is actually in the Golden Globe race. So Pat will probably, if he's able to finish the course, he will probably be the first Irish person to sail solo and nonstop around the world, which I think is pretty cool, which still also leaves you know, the whole unsponsored thing if if somebody's really itching to be the first and do it in a certain sort of category so to speak because you know i uh, the first person to sail alone without stopping around the world robin knox johnson there you go that's it he's he's the one who did it he got it and he stamped it and all other ones are not just that they're a little addition of like I did it in this boat, or I did it in a smaller boat, or I did it unsponsored, or I did it this, that, and the other thing. So, uh, but at least that's still, you know, because some people really, really dive into that stuff of trying, you know, make that little bit of a mark. Um, I don't know. I guess I've been, I've been tainted by that every once in a while, but I try not to, try not to get too wound up in that sort of stuff. I mean, I do get excited when somebody tells me something about that, um, you know, about my trip and stuff like that. But I don't know. I don't worry too much about it. I hope I'm not just rambling on too much. It, it was a long day, but my brain does feel pretty good after a very quiet weekend. Murph and I only hung out one night. Friday night, just, I, I almost felt as if I had like a cold coming on. And uh, so I took it really easy. He was in bed very early for a Friday. And then, uh, Sunday last night was, was also pretty early, which is very good. But yeah, so these guys, they're, they're sort of splitting up a little bit, but it looks like, um, looks like they're all, they're all hanging in there. And Kristen, the South African, I think she's the only female entrant. She's in there and she is, uh, in the top five, it looks like. So good on her. We're always going to root for the, uh, I don't want to say underdog because she's not the underdog, but uh, being being the the one woman in in a group of uh, now fourteen, no thirteen, thirteen guys, um, definitely want to definitely want to root for her. It'd be awesome if she won. Holy cow, kick ass. Hmm. But yeah, so that's the GGR, and it looks like weather wise, they are looking at pretty decent. Pretty decent wind, nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, all pretty much from the north, which is where they want to go, and uh, pretty much all week, and it looks steady too. And then by about Thursday, they start to get a little bit of a boost, and then that system comes out. So as long as some of them can stay out uh, west of that system, they'll they'll catch the northerly winds. If they don't, then they're going to get hit by southerlies and it looks pretty ugly. It looks like it's going to turn into if anything, and maybe just a little bit of a tropical storm or something by the weekend, but, uh, they'll have to get around that one. And then it looks like they're in the doldrums territory. So by next week, they'll be, um, they'll be becalmed and floating and frustrated and overheated and, it's gonna that's gonna be a pretty interesting test mentally for all the racers because it is in my experience that is some of the most frustrating mind numbing times uh, and if you can't occupy your your idle time where you're just floating on a calm sea i don't know i mean you know i had i had a pretty fully stocked bar for the first half of my trip just making sure you know cuz it's probably the one thing, you know, you get a few projects done, you're still floating, another day goes by, you're still floating. Hey, you know what? Have a couple of beers. Let's at least enjoy the beauty of a dead calm flat sea because it can be can be one of the most beautiful places uh that you'll ever see. I I have spent many more more time than I ever want to think about uh sailing in just north of the equator, doldrums action, uh and it's as frustrating as it is, it's also just absolutely awe-inspiring of of just how how a piece of our planet can be 
pretty much calm like that, only interrupted by these violent thunderstorms that only last a little bit and then they're gone. And then you're back to this, this, this calm and you've got the stars and it's warm. It's, it really is something else. It's something to behold. Um, I, I've been across the doldrums, I think about seven times now in my life. And it really is something spectacular. I've, I've always held a, a pretty, pretty high, high regard for that area of the world just because it's so unique and, um, and it is always sort of a challenge for sure. But I have more memories of just being becalmed or sailing in almost zero wind, but on a flat sea through the night and under those stars. And it's just absolutely beautiful and it's warm and, you know, Mostly you're staying up because the sun, once the sun comes beating down on you, you're pretty much trying to hide from it the whole day. Um, and then as soon as it sets, it's like, whoa, yes, finally I can come out. I can come out and play now. Yay. So I uh, I don't know. It, it's a remarkable place. And who knows? I hope, to, I hope to get back there again at some point. I'd like to go over to the Pacific side and see what the doldrums are like over uh, over there. That might be kind of interesting. Hmm. But we shall see. <clears throat> All right, we're going to take just a quick little break, and then uh, we will be right back. Okay. And I'm back. Funny, it's like time traveling when I do that because I can be gone for like five minutes and then <laughs> it's only half a second on my little screen here. Uh, but I wanted to give a quick shout out to a West Sail, a West Sailor out there, uh, all the way on the other side of the planet down in Australia. Yeah, it's you, Mike. Send him some pictures of uh, Mongo. More importantly, how Mongo is strapped on to the boomkin on Sparrow. Uh, he's got a West Sale 32. I'm going to murder this name. Norimbo, I think it is. Uh, Norimbo, something like that. Pretty interesting, cool name. But uh, yeah, he's trying to mount a wind vane on it and get all that thing sorted out. So good luck with that, Mike. Appreciate the uh, the email and everything. That's pretty cool. Oh, man. And holy cow, who else do we have on here? Holy cow. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... This was, this actually, this was pretty interesting. Um, and I don't know if he would want me talking about it, so maybe I won't exactly mention the names, but I got an offer for a job for next year, um, next spring, actually. Spring, summer, into fall. And it would be basically going up uh, and working as the first mate on a boat, uh, an expedition boat going up to the north great great north and uh i don't know it's it's a very tempting sort of thing but it's also it, it was sort of one of those offers that you get where you almost wish you didn't get it because now all of a sudden your life is a bit more complicated and things are now a bit more up in the air like you're working to you you have your sort of specific goals and you start to figure out this time frame of like, all right, I know that I want to in the next like two years be able to hike the Pacific Crest Trail. I'd like to do one more big sort of sailing trip. I'd also like to sail this winter a little bit. Uh, I also want to be able to get back to land at some point so I can continue writing and I've got these projects that I need to work on, all this sort of stuff going and you sort of develop your time frame and you're trying to sort of when when you have to do it all on your own it it really takes quite a bit of um oh, what am i trying to say it takes a lot of not not dedication but um ah where you do it and you you don't you don't trail off from it. man my brain is just not working today um uh, diligence, I guess that, that would be a good word for it. So essentially you're, you're sticking to your plan and you're, even though you don't have a boss telling you, you have to do it or you're fired, you still have to actually do it. And, um, that's essentially been my life here for, for quite some time now. And, you know, there's, there's sort of end goals to be able to get to 
as far as going into some of the the YouTube stuff and the podcasts and everything like that, I'm hoping to be able to create a content sort of catalog, I guess, that that brings in enough people that eventually I'd like to be able to get back out there and do presentations Um, because I I really enjoy doing that. I enjoy meeting people. I, I like being up there on the stage and sort of talking about this story and and I don't know. I, I think it's one of those adventures that's that's pretty timeless. It's it's pretty rare for people just to hop on a boat and go out and do it and uh, have it actually work out. But I don't know. Um, we'll have to sort of see how that goes. That, I think, is going to be years down the line before I can actually give that a go. Because it's, it's tricky. Uh, I When I first started out doing that, I literally was losing money by doing it. Um, the cost, I had not factored in the cost of being on the road, renting a car, uh, gas, hotels, food, all this sort of stuff. And it very quickly I realized it and, and I had to sort of up the the cost uh, for or the, the speaking fee that I had. But even then I was then I was losing um, a lot of people couldn't couldn't afford it it wasn't in like yacht club budgets and things like that and so i lost a lot of those and then every once in a while i'd find one and it was it was the problem is it was so few and far between that it was kind of like i was just eking by to be able to do it but you also had to free up your time enough so it was sort of like well you can't really have a job <laughs> and then just constantly be having to travel and and do that i don't know it was it was it was one of those things where I, I felt like it was getting there. Um, and then when the book came out, that helped a lot because obviously people would let me sell the book, which made it so that I didn't need to have such a high speaking fee. And then I could get more of these these gigs and these presentations. But in any event, uh, obviously all of that fell to pieces in 2020. But um, I don't know. I, I, I really do want to give it a go again, but I know I can't do it. I can't do it yet. There's just no way. Um, it's not a not a possibility. Um, there needs to be a real. I, the world has to sort of settle way back down and really put put all that stuff behind it, which I think will probably be still another year or two away. But if we get there, who knows? And in the meantime, that's what the whole goal of everything has been to sort of grow the awareness and, and all that sort of stuff and, and keep that alive. And it, you know, it has led to, to being able to do this podcast, which has been a lot of fun because sitting down with people and then also just being able to sort of vent and, uh, and I, I, in some ways I almost feel like microphones a little bit of like self therapy because, uh, Luckily, you guys and gals, the listeners, have have been very supportive and uh, emailed me and let me know that you don't mind me just rambling when I can't find guests and all that sort of stuff. And even if I don't talk about sailing all that much, uh, then it's still okay. So I I do appreciate that. I I you know Murphy was off today and uh, I was hoping hoping to get him on the podcast, but I think I missed my window my beer window opportunity with him. Uh, you really got to catch him between three and six and that's beers, not time. Um, and if you can catch him right there, he's super talkative and he's up and uh, ready for it. But if you're too early or too late, it ain't happening. So, uh, we gotta, we gotta push that one back, but he's pretty excited. He wants to actually do one completely off the subject of sailing, boating, lobstering, oceaning, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and, do one about movies, just, just movies. And I'm, I'm absolutely hundred percent down. Anytime I can get Murph to sit down on that mic, I think it's always well worth it. And, uh, so hopefully we'll be, we'll be sort of looking at that one in the future here, but yeah, for me, that's, that's pretty much it. Now to tomorrow to switch gears here a little bit tomorrow, we are going to be pulling the mast off of Sparrow, which I'm pretty excited about. So I do, after this podcast is done, I have to go up there before it starts raining and start pulling cotter pins and getting everything sorted out, pull the electrics, uh, disconnect everything so that I can very easily just uh, hook up the crane and pop this sucker out and uh, put it on the ground. 
and I am really excited. I have, I have a new game plan, which should be a lot easier and I think stronger for remounting these winches and these new sort of fiberglass pads that will go on there. And, uh, and then I'm going to do the old pool noodle, pool noodle strategy for the wiring inside that's been clanking around and banging around. Um, it's going to be sort of a mix this time. I think it's, I'm going to yank all of it out and then I'm going to go ahead and, uh, I'm going to put pool noodles around all the wires and then I'm going to shove them back up there. But I'm also going to be using the, uh, zip ties with the ends still on, uh, and give that, give that sort of a shot. And hopefully that'll all hold right where I need it to hold and sort of keep that nice and quiet. It, it, there's no way it's going to be any louder. That's for sure. Um, cause right now it's just basically, it'll be interesting to see what it looks like when I, when I do pull it, it all out of there because I put it back up there back in 2000. Uh, I think it was 2018. I believe was when it got re rehoisted up there. And, uh, so it's been a long time and I don't know, I kind of have a feeling all those zip ties, I literally put a thousand of them on there. Um, I have a feeling those have all just crumbled to pieces or, or what, but we will see and get to go over and, and fix some of the other stuff up there that I've definitely been looking at for a long time. And I'm, I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm really excited. I'm hoping that I only have to have it out of the boat for a week, but I do need to investigate the mast step and everything underneath. I figure if you've got the mast off, it's a perfect time to really just go crazy, make sure everything is looking good and stout and nothing is actually squeezing down because you never you never know. I mean, that, that mast has got a way... I don't know, five, 600 pounds, who knows? It's, it's really heavy duty. So I don't know. It's a good chance to really go through a lot of stuff and, uh, and do some checks and stuff. I, I don't know. I, I do think it's, it's going to be weird. It is always weird when the mast is not on the boat, but uh, I'll get past it. And it's cold enough up here now that I don't need the sunshade. That's for sure. We've, uh, we've officially entered fall up here in Maine and it came real fast. It went from super, super hot still. Once I first got back up here to now it's in the forties at night. And, uh, during the day, if that sun disappears and that wind is up, it's in the fifties. I think it's 59 right now, but it is what it is. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's that's pretty much it from Sparrow, I guess. Uh, as far as the projects go, it's going to be all about the masts and the rigging and all that for for the next week or so. And I think what I'll try and do once I get the mast off, I'll I'll try and do some video stuff on it and put that up on YouTube or maybe throw throw it on the old Patreon uh, account for for the Patreon family. Um, like I did with the bowsprit stuff. Cause I think that, uh, I don't know, it's kind of cool. You guys support me and I figure I might as well include you all in what's going on as far as the repairs go, because I would really like to be able to set sail. And unless I find some serious problems and serious issues, uh, I will hopefully be hitting the water in the end of October, beginning of November to at least get a few weeks of offshore sailing in, uh, before returning back to shore. But I don't know. I, you know, lately I have had this idea about just going down to Dominica and just, just going and, you know, picking up anchor, hanging, hanging in Dominica for, I don't know, a month, something like that, just to, just to sort of do a little island time. And then and sailing right back up. I do need to spend some time on land here in the States uh, trying to work on the stuff. Because, hey, you know, that's the one issue. You go down to the Caribbean and all of a sudden all the stuff that, you know, the posting and the videos and all that becomes very, very difficult to do on a regular basis. And uh, right now I want to keep going. We just surpassed like 2,000 subscribers, which I know is not... Uh, a whole lot when it comes to the grand scheme of YouTube, but it's a whole lot more than I had, uh, just a few months ago. And that's just because I was putting more effort into it and uploading more stuff. And I don't know, we'll have to see where it goes again. Like I said, it's all about sort of growing that, 
that uh, audience base and everything and uh hopefully hopefully extending that out and and getting it bigger and bigger because we shall see <laughs> i don't know it's hard for me to even talk about this stuff i've never been very good at like self-promotion and there are times where i literally am looking at youtube and i'm sort of looking at other videos uh for for ideas and see what people are doing and stuff like that and some of the content that i see on there makes me want to literally erase everything off of youtube and just not be a part of it because it seems like it just such disgusting look at me look at me sort of stuff and I think you do have to sort of look at it from the mindset of a business uh, as far as you know back in the day before the internet if you needed to advertise you you called newspapers and put ads in or magazines or things like that and now you just be able to create this stuff yourself and you can put it on the platform. But yeah, sometimes if I if I start wheeling through too much uh, YouTube, looking at other videos, I, I really it's I don't want to say it's disappointing, but it's kind of disappointing. <laughs> it's a little hard. It's a little hard when you, you come across some of the stuff that's out there. It's like, what in the world? But. You know, hey, I, I I get enough comments from people who seem to really enjoy and are inspired by the stuff that I'm putting out that I think it's it's well worth it. Um, and if it, you know, if it inspires people or if it gives them a little bit of happiness and they can sort of share the experience, well, then it's obviously going to be worth it at that point. And uh, so I will keep doing it for sure. But it's really the podcast that I'm passionate about because it's uh, it's a gateway to talking to people and it's a gateway to, I don't know, connecting with people on more of a, um, I don't know, uh, it just seems like, it seems like the people that I've gotten to know, like people like Ed, uh, who I've never, you know, Ed and Mike and stuff, I, I've never sat down and, and talked with these people. I'm sure in the, in the future I probably will. Um, I hope so. I hope to at some point, you know, who knows? Maybe we can have like a, a Patreon family uh, gathering somewhere. That would be pretty cool. I don't know. And I, I, But that does in, in my brain, that does. Uh, uh, well, I don't even I probably shouldn't say that over the Internet, so I'm not going <laughs> to. Never mind. I was going to say, you know, I should probably let people know exactly where I am uh, so that, you know, the patrons can come and visit. But. Yeah, it's probably not the best idea. Um, not that uh, people don't come up here, though. It, it, you know, obviously everybody knows I'm up in Rockland, and then I don't know where I'm going to end up this uh, this winter if I do sail south. But I do want to say thanks to Eric and a few other people that uh, were listening and shout out some great uh, marina ideas, and I'll definitely be looking into those uh, for for this winter. I think. Even if I sail down there, say I sail down there in November, get down there, because I'd like to spend almost at least like a month out at sea or something. So sort of take the long route, you know, go almost all the way across the Atlantic and then catch the easterlies back sort of thing. If I end up doing that, then probably be back, work on the boat a little bit, but then boogie on out of there and, and go up to Michigan probably for at least two, three months. Um to be able to continue to write and everything because I just, it's been a standstill to do any of that sort of stuff. Um, I don't know. It's been, been difficult. Too many irons in the fire. I know I've said that before. Uh, but I think, I think sometimes it's good, you know, you sort of mix things up a little and you're focusing on the books for a little while. And then you focus on videos for a little while. And, uh, I don't know. The only one that's, that's always consistently there, I think is, is the podcast because it's, it's sort of a different beast altogether. So I think that's, that's about it, but I do have some more reading to do and I've got to get this editing thing back, back online again. I'm going to probably try and give that another shot tonight. And I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to have to re-record and maybe do it in smaller chunks or something like that. And if, if that works, then, then I'll sort of be back into it. It's, it's really funny though, because the weekends, I always find that it's, it's harder to get motivated to do things on the weekend than it is during the week. And it's just so counterintuitive because 
think like, oh, okay, so you work like seven, eight hours and then you want to go and do these videos and do this and that and then wake up and then do everything all over again. Well, for some reason, that seems to work a lot better. And then on the weekend, I can just sort of completely relax and do nothing, which isn't good. I, I think mentally it, it handicaps me a little bit because I start to get uh, whenever I don't have things that I'm being productive with, I, I definitely start to get a little depressed, uh, a little bit like, well, what's the point in all this anyway, <laughs> which is the worst, the worst thing. And then come Monday, I put in a full day of work and then I feel just totally normal again. I, um, but I know I need that break because I need the recharge. I need the refresh. Uh, and I need all that to be able to sort of come back into the week fired up and ready to go and then Friday comes and I'm all excited and then I don't know it just seems like I get so much more done outside of work during the work week than I do on the weekends but who knows that may change uh, I think a lot of it has to do with just the mentality that you have when you come into the weekend uh, but I don't know it's something I definitely need to work on a little bit and I think maybe once the mass is down, it's probably going to help because that gives me a heck of a lot of stuff that I can really dive into and uh, work on and all that sort of stuff. But we'll see. I don't think I'm going to have to pull the prop shaft out, uh, which is kind of nice, which means all I have to do is rebed these bolts and then slide the prop back on. I'm going to try and find a two blade prop, but we'll have to see. I met a person the other week who said... <clears throat> they've got an old uh, low RPM alternator. So essentially, I have a velvet drive transmission on the boat, which no matter what, if you put it in reverse, forward, whatever, I know I've talked about it before, the transmission, it just freewheels. So the prop is just constantly going once you're hitting like four knots, five knots. And I've always hated it because it's loud. Um and eventually it'll burn the transmission out, I think. And um, lately what I've been doing is scurrying back there after I shut the engine down or when it starts doing it and I put a pipe wrench on the actual pipe uh, prop shaft, busting my finger up one time. But, mm, excuse me, um, this would be an alternator that you could actually hook up to the prop shaft. So when it did start freewheeling, it, one, probably wouldn't freewheel quite as much, quite as easy, but two, it would start to produce power and electricity for the boat, which I think would be pretty cool because then all of a sudden, you know, you start to hear that hum and you're like, oh, sweet, we're getting a charge. That's good. That means I can, you know, keep the fridge colder sort of thing. Uh, I am going to, I don't know, it, it's going to have to, I think... I think if that does happen, I still have to pull the shaft out so that I can fit some sort of some sort of um, alternator belt housing, sort of like a circle that would go over the top of the prop shaft that then an alternator belt could be connected up to. But that should be pretty easy. I can't imagine that would be too too difficult with all the the brains around this boatyard. Holy cow! So we shall see. But other than that, it's pretty much uh, pedal to the metal, just trying to work, 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 and then do all the extracurricular stuff and just keep keep it going as best as I can and nail these people. I was so mad. Holy cow. Heath came by. Oh, I know. Like literally Heath came at the exact same time that another guy came up and needed help with his boat on saturday and i think heath was sort of like yeah let's do a podcast and all of a sudden i had to go help with uh removing a radar dome and all this sort of stuff so i missed my opportunity and uh ah i can't wait to have heath back on for like a long discussion about all the stuff that's going on with the lobster industry up here i mean it's up to like the federal level at this point it's just a lot of craziness the price is still in the in the pooper, so to speak, it's under $4 a pound for shedders, I believe. Um, so I don't know. It's a really interesting time. Plus he's, he's had some little mini adventures himself and, uh, I don't know. He's just going to be a really great guest. A lot of interesting stuff coming up in that one. Uh, if I can, if we can sort of coordinate our time together, but 
other than that, that is pretty much it for this podcast. Um, yeah, we're back in the work week, so hopefully I'll be doing uh, one or two of these. I know Sven wants to do a live stream with me on YouTube. That, unfortunately, I can't seem to get any sort of uh, assurance that the internet is actually going to be good enough to do a live stream. And so it's impossible for me to say, I'm going to do a live stream Thursday night at 7, blah, 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 with Sven. It's just, it's impossible because the internet's so bad up here. Um so I don't know. Look for those. Luckily, they stay they stay on YouTube, and uh, it seemed to work out pretty good the first time we did. Although I erased it, so it's not on there. But uh, YouTube does stay save them, and I put them on a playlist. And uh, it's always fun talking with Sven uh, remotely and everything. So so we shall see. But as I always say before I leave this podcast, if you want to support the show, head over to Patreon. The link will be in the description. And if you want to reach out to the show. Just head over to sailingintooblivion.com, click on the podcast, and you can email me directly from there. Thanks for listening, and there's more to come this week. It is good to be back in the saddle again. All right, here we go.